cliffcentral.com. All right, all right, all right. Good morning, S. How are you? Hi. Good, thank you. Hi. Your your uh, your background looks beautiful. So I'm sure you're doing oh, well too. So beautiful. So yes, beautiful. Very, very good. <laughs> morning, Ryan. How's it? Morning, morning, morning. How's it going, guys? All right. Very good. I'm in a um, in a game reserve in, in Pumalanga. I came mm. here. Yeah, I came here with a group of people yesterday. We had such a packed day. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But yes, I mean, clearly I'm the most spoiled human being that's ever lived because I've only been back at work for one week and now I get to I get to go away again. Ridiculous, right? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's the right way to do it. I mean, I was oh. just thinking this morning is uh, Dr. Hanan is only back with us next week, I think. And I thought, what yeah. a nice way to spend the first half of January. When everyone else I know, is I mean, and rushing. Well, frankly, I mean, that's, you know, if you want to be stupid, go ahead and be stupid. But I think I've cracked the code here. Yeah. You're probably catching it at, no, at the best time when everybody's gone back. So no one's there now. And they're just like doing maintenance um, and things like that. I don't know. No. So uh, apparently, because I didn't go on the, on the game drive last night. And then, you know, there's one right now that I'm also going to miss. But... I'm not beating myself up because I'm one of those people who, when I go to the game reserve, I actually, I'm not like, I need, I don't need to be on every game drive, Every game mm. drive, you know, especially the early morning ones. We've got to do the show anyway, but if they gave me the option and I didn't have to do the show, I'd still rather choose to sleep in. To me, sleeping in is the greatest thing available to all of us on any given day. It's the best thing ever. It's a luxury in this business, so, that's for sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, uh, yesterday I had to wake up at 5.30 um, on a Sunday, which to me is like torture. Yeah. <laughs> so we could get here on time. And I'm, in, I'm, I'm back on Wednesday morning, uh, well, Tuesday afternoon. And we went to this incredible thing yesterday. So part of it is um, I'm with a group of people from America who are – busy touring and there's some friends of ours here as well but the main thrust of yesterday was to go and visit a little village called uh jabuza where they have they've just installed a solar a tank with solar panels the solar panels power the tank and the pump uh they've drilled a borehole and they've provided for the first time ever in this village water running clean running water that they can use to drink to cook, to wash. They provide for 8,000 people in this village in Mpumalanga. It's sort of part of the Bushbuck Ridge municipality. And if you've ever been past Bushbuck Ridge or if you know people in Bushbuck Ridge, it is not an easy place to live. There's no infrastructure. There's very little um, provision of services by the municipality. Basically, like so many other parts of this country, it's just a disaster, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. And well, I mean, it, it, is, it is in the name, though. I mean, Bush Back Ridge. You're not going to yeah, find skyscrapers well, and amazing infrastructure, but still, shame. I know it's, it's, an, it's really, really tough. It's horrific. And, and you think about these people who are so dependent on our crappy government. Again, this is why any chance I get to interact with people in South Africa and ask them what situation they're in, what their big problems are, I say to them, okay, so are you voting? 
And then if they go, no, I'm not voting, I say to them, well, how do you expect anyone to help you if you won't help yourself? Yeah. And then the second question is, who are you voting for? And I just blatantly ask them. I, I'm like, you know what? Are you voting ANC? And if they go, yes, then I go, how's your life going right now? No, not good. Okay, who do you think is to blame for your lack of service delivery, uh, the, the state of the economy? Um, and if they go, well, the ANC, then I say, well, are you going to vote for them again? Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, yeah. It, and then I saw the stupid ANC celebrating their 112th birthday <laughs> over the weekend. I'm not even going to hold back because, you know, there used to be a time where I would at least pretend. <laughs> I wouldn't pretend. I, I genuinely did believe in like balance. And Leanne, you're, a, you're an actual journalist. I'm not. I've never had to be a journalist. So I've never had to really be um, fair and equal with everybody. I, I always gave the ANC the time of day, though. I think I've spent more time in my life than I should ever have discussing the internal politics of the ANC. It's not mm -hmm. that interesting. They're really just a bunch of servile thieves who will who will take money from wherever it comes or steal it if they can't take it from legitimate uh, donors. They will put it in their own pockets before they sort out the people. But blah, 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 blah. I just want to tell you about this, this project quickly because this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So there's a woman called Sivan. Uh, she's from Israel and she started this project, God, I don't know, four or five years ago. And she basically installs, they, they drill for, for water, she installs a solar <laughs> array on the top of the tank. Then the next yeah. level down is the tank itself. Next level down is a pump house, which is safe and, and contains all the electrics. And then obviously all the, the, the mechanics of getting the, the water down to the tap. Sure. And they've installed in this village that we went to yesterday. And really, I mean, this is like a poor community. There's very, very high unemployment. Um, it's very rural out here. The The villages themselves are not great places to live, but you know what? They're not the worst places in South Africa. The fact that these old ladies, I mean, we're talking grandmothers, used to have to go to the river and help themselves to water with a bucket. Dirty water, by the way, that would give Everyone in the family diarrhea. That you, you have to carry a bucket on their head. That is the water they would use for cooking, the water they would use for washing, the water they would use for drinking. And they would have to do this early in the morning, like before four o'clock. And if you ask them why they had to go before four o'clock, it's because they had to get there before the animals. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is their lives. And remember, it was, the, it was the, the women in these villages who would have to go and do this. And then crossing main roads and being hit by cars and, you know, crocodiles taking people. I mean, it's like the most horrific set of circumstances you can imagine. It sounds like something from uh, like a horror, horror movie. And now because of this tank, 8,000 people in this village are going to be able to get running water, clean running water. Immediately, they open the tap and it's there. They've never, ever done that before. Yeah. You know, you and I wake up in the morning and we, we open a tap and water comes out. I mean, in Joburg, 50-50. But, you know, most of the time, you know what you're getting. These guys have never seen this before. You should have seen the excitement, the, um, the genuine gratitude with which we were met. And I did nothing. It was just these people, the Sivan, who's incredible. The team is called Innovation Africa. And they have done this 
you, you just sit still and make sure that you're sitting comfortably. When I tell you this number, you're going to shit yourself. This incredible woman and her team have brought water to 5 million people on the African continent. Tanzania, Kenya, Malawi, Lesotho, Swaziland, South Africa. They've helped people who would never, ever have got this from their governments. That is extraordinary to me. Yeah, That is, you know, when you talk about projects that are changing the world, it's not, you know, it's not little uh, food programs here or there. God bless them. I'm not going to take anything away from them. But water, if you don't have that, you've got nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, you saw um, with, just before you interviewed Dan Mace, Mr. Beast dropped a, a similar video where they went and also installed water all over Africa. And then they, they yeah. went under fire Correct. because... Um, they said they were overstepping on government land or whatever, and Ugh. they were just trying to flex their <laughs> money or something. <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't the case, but it's it's unbelievable this is still happening. I mean, a week ago, the first day back here, Gareth, uh, I sat here with Jane, and she had got some videos from home. She went, you know, she lives in yes. the Popo, and she asked me to help put together a tweet that she could show people what her living conditions are like because she also. Um, walks with her kids to the river. Yeah. And when I say river, right. it's hardly a river. I mean, it's a tiny little stream with water that looks stream. white. Yeah, it looks like a little stream. And she has to get a bucket or two of water and then go boil it and use it, as you say, for cooking, cleaning. And yeah. it's it's such a reality for people that you know we don't really see every day. And it's, it's quite insane. It still happens. So I, I know that... South Africans, because we have so many charities, apparently we have more charities than they do in America because we have such need, right? Mm. We, when we hear this this philanthropy stuff, it kind of becomes wallpaper. I don't know that we pay as much attention as we probably should to this stuff, but I just am absolutely blown away by the fact that people from all over the world come over here and help us solve our problems. Yeah. And let's forget this bullshit that we can solve them on our own because we've tried that and there are certain things we can do and certain things that we can't. We need help sometimes. And the fact that there are good people all over the world who are willing to come and sort this stuff out, I'm just blown away. So I see um, Rebellious Ruth, who is the chairperson of the comments section, is starting a new job today. So good luck with that one, Ruth. Very, sure. very good. And good luck to anybody because it is January. So Apparently, this is the biggest month in HR anywhere in the world. Oh, yeah? So January starts. Yeah, yeah, because people want to change jobs. So that a lot of people resign and start something new. Um, a lot of people start the year and go, nah, I'm doing something different. Um, and a lot of people obviously get fired in December, so they have to start something new in January. So this is the time when people are looking at jobs. Also, you know, the process of giving out bonuses in December is huge. My, my brother's in yeah. HR in um, global banking, and you've got to decide who gets what and go through performance reviews, and it's a, it's a huge thing. It's not like the money just lands in your account. No, so, and yeah, obviously a lot of people, too. a lot of people will stay for the bonus and then resign in mm -hmm. January. You know. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Well, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. I have never received a bonus in my life. I've never. I don't know what a thirteenth check feels or looks like. And I think a lot of us who are freelancers probably feel like that's a that's a world we don't know anything about. So, yeah. And I, I mean, you know, if you're paying yourself, you don't 
give yourself a bonus if your company needs to worry about January, February, March. The entertainment industry can, is wild. I mean, in radio now, I don't know about when you guys were, were back on radio. I don't know how long your contracts were, but when I was chatting to some producers at the SABC, their contracts have gone down. I don't know now, but two years ago, they were on three-month contracts. So it's, it's just if you can make it past three months, you know. Sure. I mean, how do you how do you obtain a home loan on that? You can't. Uh, I remember when we were there, it was one year contracts, and even then, it was difficult to obtain something like a home loan. One year. A lot of comments in the in in the, in the comment section today about Leanne's hair. Yeah. A lot of people saying oh. you're looking very beautiful this morning. Yeah, look at this. Yeah, Can I people say? say, "Wow, I Leanne looks great color. today and very good." <laughs> Yeah, good. so it uh, makes a big difference when you when you start earning some money, you know. And uh, I'm becoming quite aware of the whole money can't buy you happiness thing because I think that's a load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, having, having been like, yeah, because you, you did tell us that, you know, the last couple of years have not been amazing for you financially. Yeah. So that's good news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Tracy says, 13th check, bonus. That's a unicorn. Yeah. Sure. I think I um, did get one when I started at the SABC uh, in 1998. Bonus. Um, when yes. I was an intern. I mean, interns, in those days, people were very well paid at the SABC. Um, and sure. we, I mean, my first salary coming out of varsity to be taught by world-recognized um, journalists and presenters and producers to be yeah. taught every day for free. I was paid um, nearly 4,000 Rand. I had a car allowance, a housing allowance, a bonus <laughs> check. You know, yeah. it was very different back then to now. People are really struggling. And they don't make it easier well, for the employees either. No, I, I definitely don't want to spend a single solitary second of our time this morning talking about the SABC, though. We've got other fish to fry. So we mentioned the, and I, I do want to stay away from politics in general first thing on a Monday morning, but we cannot ignore the ANC's 112th birthday party. I don't know if you saw any of it on TV. I saw yeah. they, were, they were like, they were passing around a, a, a fake coffin with Jacob Zuma MK party written on it. This is very South African, and, and it's it's a very unique thing to us that we – I don't know any other country where they, like, make a coffin. And, I mean, if you could if, – if if anywhere it would be appropriate probably for Joe Biden, you know, to, because he's so fucking old, is to have a coffin. Uh, but in South Africa, that is kind of the most insulting thing you can do to a political party is yeah. make a fake coffin and pass it around at a, at a big stadium event. That's what they were doing. So – I think they're very threatened by the Zuma party because they keep talking about it. Cyril made a two-hour-long speech. So, no, I don't know what he said. I, I saw I saw small bits of it, and really, I couldn't have cared less. I, um, I saw it on the TV at the gym on Saturday, uh. and really, it just had headlines of, like, we must make the unions stronger. Um, these other parties will steal your social grants. A whole lot of bullshit. Just like obvious party line nonsense. Mm. And anyone who still thinks Cyril Ramaphosa is the, the guy to save South Africa, let's pray for Cyril. Those people, you need your <laughs> head red. 
you're the kind of person who keeps going back to a husband who abuses you going oh no he still loves me oh i know he's gonna change he, it's capable he's capable of change and then you come back with a black eye every other day so i have no sympathy for you anymore sorry for me, it's Fakile and Balula just walking around like he's the president, like waving. Did you see him do like this? They went around the stadium just like walking, waving to all the people. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, this is so cringe to watch. But they also yeah, had like chicken licking food parcels and things. And Oh, yeah. Check this out. Always That's about bribery. Always. Why, why do you think anyone would go and listen to that fucking asshole talk for two hours? So here it is. Uh, here are some people in the crowd. This was posted on social media. This is yeah. the um, that's the food parcel you get. So you know, Votella ANC, and here's your food, so that you'll yeah. shut up and be a good slave. Yeah, your t-shirts, your shoes. Yeah. I mean, your yeah. food, your shoes. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe who knows? The shoes <laughs> might come in. You know, I saw all the uh, the, the ANC's top brass sitting on the stage, and they're. ANC regalia, you know, their colors, they've got those jackets, those terrible leather jackets. I mean, it was so hot in, uh, in Pumalanga yesterday because I was here yesterday, so I can speak for that. Not in Elspreth, but close. And I can only imagine how warm it was in that stadium. And you imagine these sweaty, greedy ANC grifters sitting there in their regalia, you know, kind of eating cake. They, they cut up a cake. It's the biggest cake I've seen. It was... It looked like a um, it looked like our square kilometer array in the Karoo that, oh, yeah. that you know <laughs> we used to look into the into the atmosphere and then beyond. We used it to to study the stars, and this thing was enormous. And then they all gather all the like ANC top brass. There are about ten of them around there with with uh, knives, and they cut. They all cut into this enormous cake, and I just suddenly thought, is there ever a better illustration? Yeah, and metaphor for South Africa than the ANC top brass cutting up the cake of South Africa for their own greed. And and then and then they feed on and you've got a stadium full of people. Now I don't know whether there was actually any cake in there or whether it was just a fake one. It looked like it was real. And I wonder how many people because that's really how they see South Africa. They see South Africa as this cake which they get to cut first. They get to cut themselves a slice and then whatever's left at the end after the ANC have totally like demolished it, whatever's left afterwards is for the people of South Africa. You know. Did you see yeah. the? Did you see like uh, I saw clips on Twitter. I don't know what the context of it is, but did you see they had like these military uh, looking oh. people oh. there? <laughs> well, it's like this is the uh, what's left of Umkonto Esizwe because the ones who were actually in the struggle are now so old that. Uh, they're basically all in wheelchairs. But here, here are the guys. This is what they, they put together as like their, I suppose you could call it a parade yeah. of some kind. You know, like a, mil a military parade yeah. is often what, you know, they'll, whether it's the, 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 the president on a national holiday and there's a march past to show off how good your military is. Look at these guys because not two people in this group. It, it looks like a very small, it's not even a regiment. It's like a, it's like a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> five, 10, 15 yeah. people. Yeah. They cannot get, they cannot get in time for anything. Just watch this and, and just look at the state of, I don't know if this is our military or if it's some Quanto Oasis where, but you know, you'd think these guys were doing this in front of a stadium full of people. You'd think they'd maybe like put in five minutes of practice. 
I mean, okay, so all they all they had to do was put their one foot down, put the other foot down, stand at ease, right? Mm. That's all. Couldn't even do that in time. I mean, we can do Jerusalem across this country, ordinary civilians who are not trained in military marching or anything. We, ordinary civilians can do a coordinated dance. You go to any wedding in South Africa, people know how to do all the dances, right? People do yeah. group dances. Everyone's on time. Yeah. It's amazing. You got like old white people who grew up during apartheid who can do like these awesome like songs and they can dance. They know what to do, but not our military and not the Mkonto or Sizwe guys. They have no idea what to do when it comes to actually doing something in formation. Why? Because they actually don't have any discipline. That's why. Yeah, That's I don't the care. truth. Uh, Tracy says the cake got donated to children's homes, but they could have built more children's homes. Well, if they donated the cake to children's homes, that is good. Yeah. And I will give credit where it's due. If that is true, awesome. Uh, two hours long, Cyril's speech. Didn't Gwede fall asleep again? <laughs> well, Gwede, let me tell you, Gwede's stomach is now so enormous. Like he was, he, his stomach was touching the cake before the knife did. His stomach was almost, <laughs> it's almost like his stomach has now developed. What, what do they call those things? Pseudo. Um, it's almost like his stomach has. It's its own character. It, well, it's got its own hands. It's like it, it, his stomach was reaching out for the cake it's without silly, his hands yeah. even knowing. Yeah, like um, like prehensile like things that come out of it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's unbelievable. So um, I thought sheep were vegetarian. Uh, 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 um, I bet the cake cost the South African taxpayers a million rand. Well, the ANC suddenly yeah. has money. I don't think it's from Have us. Have you heard this story? No, it's not from us, but um, it would have been if the ANC hadn't received a huge amount of money. Now, where the hell did this have happened? I don't know. Maybe it coincides with their appearance at the International Courts of Justice and with their very strong stance against Israel. I wonder how it is that Naledi Pandor and a delegation of people went to Iran um, between that hideous attack in Israel of October the 7th and the end of last year, they went there. I think there were two separate delegations that went to Iran. Now, Iran is a very rich country because they've got oil, right? Mm. And we know the ANC couldn't even pay their rent at Latuli House. And remember that the sheriff was going to come and attach their stuff because they hadn't paid a media company for billboards. So they were basically, they were out of money. Remember, they weren't paying yeah. any of the staff there. Mm -hmm. It was very well documented, so that wasn't nonsense. And they, they acknowledged they were having huge financial problems. And then Fekile announces suddenly, we have no more financial problems. We've got money. Where do you think that came from suddenly? Yeah, we all know. Any idea? Any guesses? I haven't seen any thoughtful, curious articles in any of our local news about where that money might have come from. It seems to me like journalists in South Africa are just not even curious about where the ANC suddenly derived a whole heap of money. I wonder mm. if you could join the dots. I mean, I don't have to lay it out for you no, any more than that, to. do I? And then I saw over the weekend while we're talking about that issue that um, a 19-year-old cricketer has been basically – he hasn't been dropped from the team, but he's been dropped from um, captaincy. the captaincy of the team. And I wonder why that is. Here's the statement from them. Cricket South Africa is honored to be named by the International Cricket Council. 
ICC is the host of the Under-19 Men's Cricket World Cup, which commences on the 19th of January. Uh, the decision was taken in November last year, blah, blah, blah. Then they go, they go into this. We've also been advised they're likely to focus on the position of the South African Under-19 captain, David Tiger, and that there is a risk that could result in conflict or even violence, including between rival groups of protesters. CSA has a duty to safeguard the interests and safety of all of those. In all circumstances, they have decided that David should be relieved of the captaincy for the tournament. This is in the best interest of all the players, the SA Under-19 and David himself. What a lot of nonsense. Basically, because yeah. he's, guess what? He's Jewish. a Jew. Yeah. So if yeah. you're Jewish, oh, well, we can't guarantee your safety. So then how can you guarantee the safety of any of the players? No, well, that's yeah. Should we cancel? You, you should, if, if anyone's in danger, the tournament should be canceled as a whole. Right. Like, but um, this whole thing of, of I, I, taking off. I expected sort of... nothing less from Cricket South Africa. I don't know about you. Oh, no, same. Well, the thing is, the, the, the argument is, well, if, if he needed protection, like you say, Gareth, then everyone should be protected and, and Ryan. But then why didn't they just, put, you know, put in extra security measures? Right. Making, yeah. they've, they've made a fool of themselves now by making this <clears throat> small move instead of making bigger choices and better choices overall for well. everybody. I think that this is a disgrace. And if I were any of the other countries participating in this, I would say, well, you know what? We're not coming either. If you can't guarantee the safety of one of your own players in your own country, then you can't guarantee anyone's safety. So we'll have to call it off. So the, so the story That's goes that, that they don't want to be, they don't want to have any bumps in the, in the tournament because we just got to sign the tournament last minute. Um, Sri Lanka, I don't know if, I, I don't know how it dropped out. I don't really follow cricket much, but Basically, Sri Lanka were meant to host it. Then now we are hosting it. And so they don't want any bumps in the road coming forward. So they don't want any protesters coming to this thing because apparently in, in David Teager's speech um, at, a, at a Jewish awards ceremony a while back, that was only with Jewish people, by the way. It wasn't really a public thing. He acknowledged that he's not really a hero, but the Israeli soldiers are. And... Some, it, it got out somewhere, and so now because of those comments, he should be. But since when? From the team. Or, well, since well, when? The tournament. Since when? Since when are we a country that punishes people for their views? Um, we relied on sports people having having scruples and criticizing the old apartheid regime, right? Yeah. It was one of the reasons, one of the most successful things about the anti-apartheid movement in the world was the fact that they boycotted local sport because local sport was considered to be, you know, if, you, if you're going to be bigoted and discriminate and you're going to treat people inside your own country in two different ways, there's this set of laws for those people and this set of laws for another, apartheid, then the rest of the world doesn't have to play cricket against you or tennis or rugby or soccer or anything else. And it was, it was considered a move of conscience for sports people to state their opposition to the old regime, uh, to state their unwillingness to participate in sport. And, you know, I think about this guy, and he's, he's, a, he's a young man. I don't think mm -hmm. anyone should be punished for their views at age 16, 17, 18, mm -hmm. 19. Yeah. And I also don't think, I don't think that it's good of cricket South Africa to hang him out to dry like this. They should be supporting this guy and supporting everyone on the team. Frankly, we've had 
people who are extremely religious on the team who are Muslims who wouldn't wear the sponsor's name on the on the shirt, and nobody had a problem with that. We've had people who um, would would criticize various things about governments here and in, and and in other countries. I don't think that's a problem. I think you should be allowed as a sports person to stand for something. Yeah, and it is the job of the governing body, in this case, Cricket South Africa, to look after and protect those people and to say, listen, you're entitled to your opinion, but if you're a cricket player and you're wearing our national colors, we will support and protect you. We're a country that encourages free speech, are we not? But also yeah. just sports in general is, is known to have values and to stand up to things like this, not actually, because right now it's kind Go of supporting it. it. Yeah. It's like, you know. It's like, you know what, let's just eliminate the problem and then we'll move on. And it's like, no, because now they've got a new captain in place, Joan James, and everybody's not going to be rooting for him. He, he might, you know, be a target now because this guy's been dropped and now everyone wants him back and now this guy ha has to be a captain. It's it's messed up the whole oh, well. thing for me. I have no, it's, I have it's no horrible interest thing. in cricket. Side. Imagine... Imagine how the rest of the team feels because they know they could be hung out to dry as well. Uh, Hank says, I'd love to see the procurement procedures followed to procure that legal team uh, that we sent to the ICJ. Well, that's going to cost a couple of hundred million uh, rand as well. But let's let's see because now I'm hoping someone in South Africa's uh, journalist fraternity will go and actually investigate where this money's come from. Um Bought a new set of Sennheiser headphones. Nice, says Tsavo. Nice. Very nice. You're buying yourself presents in January. You must have mm -hmm. a lot of cash. But he's being clever. How was your bonus? Sales. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Oh, yes, there are sales going on here. That's great. Uh, Sri Lanka were banned and blocked from hosting due to government interference in cricket. <laughs> now we're doing the same thing. Fuck CSA, says Carl. Yep. Well, government interference in sport is the name of the game in South Africa, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, the two the two go together with <laughs> they completely yeah. shouldn't, but yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens. But I think it's a it's a disgrace. I really do. Um and I would think that if, for example, um you 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 took a sports person who had very strong views on the American election, or if you took someone who believed uh, very strongly for or against immigration, uh and, and they, they voiced their opinion. You don't fire someone from the team because of that. You, they, they clearly want to talk about something. They clearly have a point of view. Let them have it. You know, if, if people aren't allowed to stand for something, they'll fall for everything. And I've had enough, I for one have had enough of hearing boring, mediocre, post-match analysis. Yeah, from sports people, let them stand for something. At least we know what, we, what we're dealing with then. Yeah. I think it's great. All right, and uh, Aussie cricket player wrote Free Palestine on his shoes, and he was suspended. You know, again, like I, there were protests at the U.S. Embassy, apparently, over the weekend in Santon. Again, those people who are protesting on the side of Palestine should be entitled to protest for Palestine. Yeah. I don't see any problem with that. You, as long as you're not violent, um, and as long as you are not expressing outright hatred for people, which is difficult to define, let's be fair, because some people's opinions are hateful and some hateful opinions should be allowed. Like, I don't think that, you know, 
blatant bigotry, racism, or any of that kind of thing is encouraged. And it certainly tells us a lot about your character if that's the way you behave. But I don't want to, I don't want to live in a country where people can't say what they think, even if it's stuff I disagree with. I want to live in a country where you can say what you think. And if I agree with you, that's great. Then I know what you stand for. But if I don't, we can have a civil conversation about it. I can go, look, I hear you, but I don't agree with you. That's the optimum condition for anyone in the world is to go, yeah, there's different people, different opinions. Everybody's entitled to theirs. And we're a country that allows you to say what you think, even that's, if it's something that word, other people allow. consider gross. Yeah. It's, it's allowing. It, it's it's all about control. Um, I mean, these these players are controlled in every way in how yeah. you can tell that they've been coached in how to give their aftermatch speeches which is why they're so sterile you've been yeah. you, we the only thing they're allowed to have an opinion of and it's not even an, an opinion is brand sponsorships they can express an absolute love for a product they probably don't even use that's that's allowed <laughs> but no it's but not they, only they allowed it's encouraged have, with with yeah. money <laughs> yes but no, you can't have an opinion on anything else. You just have to be this sterile cricket player. Uh huh. And if we if we're going to have a problem with uh, people's opinions that they're not paid for, then why don't we have a problem with the opinions that they actually paid to have, which we probably don't know for sh for sure that they actually do have. Anyway, um, that's about enough political stuff for one morning. And uh, we've got so many other things to talk about this morning. Plus, we'll be joined by a guest shortly. Um, who's actually a friend of mine, and she has some very interesting things to tell us about not only young people in this country, what they're doing for employment and opportunity, but also like sexual behavior in South Africa and how that impacts on the way that people behave, especially at the beginning of the year. There are lots of choices that need to be made. And for young women in particular, those choices are kind of limited in many situations. Um, it's not ideal, but that's what it is. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about opportunities in the job market for young people. And we'll do that later on. There's this amazing company called iFundi. Uh, iFundi is a training institution that specializes in futuristic and technologically enabled careers. Now, those are the ones we need, right? We don't, we don't want to uh, keep hiring people in jobs that are going to be redundant soon. We want to give uh, young people in South Africa, especially talented and hardworking young people, an opportunity to get into careers that have a future, careers that are going to grow. So we'll talk about that later on too. Let's just quickly get into a few things. First of all, some sports results from the weekend. Um, Beyond the Scoreboard is our chance to do a quick sports recap with Superbets, and that's why we've got Ryan here this morning. Yes. So take us through some of the results. Okay, well, uh, I got this from Ben. Let's kick off with some cricket. The Durban Super Giants and Paul Royals are setting early pace with two wins from two. The biggest win this weekend was MI Cape Town hammering Joburg Super Kings by 98 runs after posting 243 for five. Um, today, it's the Super Giants versus uh, Joburg Super Kings at 5.30. Um, in rugby, the Investec Championship Cups, uh, Cup. Mm -hmm. Bills beat Bristol 31-17 and Stormers beat Sale 31-24. Uh, so that's really cool there. Getting into some Premier League, Chelsea beat Fulham 1-0. Uh, Man City beat Newcastle 3-2. Um, Everton and Aston Villa drew. Uh, and Man United and Spurs, uh, sorry, they drew 0-0. Uh, and uh, Man United and Spurs drew as well 2-2. 
Um, in your AFCON news, Ivory Coast mm-hmm. beat Guinea-Bissau uh, 2-0. And the major surprises that Ben makes here is um, Egypt and Mozambique drew 2-2. Uh, Salah with a 97th minute penalty equalizer. And Nigeria and Equatorial Guinea also drew 1-1. So that's very cool. And then today, right. uh, sorry, Tuesday, we are playing Mali. Leanne, you're a big supporter of... Equ- Leanne is a massive Equatorial Guinea fan, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, I've been following them all Your my team. life. My whole family does for some reason. We I have know. roots in Equatorial huh. Guinea. <laughs> 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 Who knew? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Very then good. South Africa play Mali at ten o'clock on Tuesday evening, and uh, then let's not forget Ben's going to walk us through on Friday with UFC two ninety seven this Sunday at five a.m. for the main card: Strickland versus Drickus Duplessis, and it was his birthday on the weekend, so. Happy birthday to him. Yes, I and saw that. Yeah, it's going to be a really good fight. We're all looking forward to this as a country, I think. Ben will, ben will do Super. a complete walkthrough on Friday. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's a, you know what, Ryan? That's a nice little recap. Of course, in case you don't already know, Super Bets are the reason that we talk sport on Fridays and Mondays because ordinarily, you know, like unless Ben was around, we probably wouldn't. So it's an opportunity for us to discuss one of the biggest subjects of interest for South Africans. It may not be for me and Leanne a lot of the time, but I'm glad to say that we are now doing a, a great and an amazing sports summary on a Friday with Ben. He, yeah. he has an unbelievable take on these things. He's probably the most interesting guy when it comes to making sport interesting to people who don't care about sport. And I find myself getting excited. Simpiwe finds herself betting money. And speaking of that, if you want to go and try your luck at um, sports betting. It's a really fun thing to do. We got into it especially during the Rugby World Cup last year. Superbets res- uh, supports responsible gambling, strictly now under 18s. Winners know when to stop. South Africa's Responsible Gambling Foundation's toll-free counseling hotline is 0800-006-008. But go and register if you haven't already. Go to the links on cliffcentral.com and you will get a chance to participate in yeah. some of these games. Make it that much more exciting. You have some literal skin in the game. Exactly. By the way, uh, Leanne already mentioned this, but Dr. Hanan will be back next week. You can send us your questions if you've got something that you need our resident psychologist to answer for you. All you, you need to do is email us, contact at cliffcentral.com, and we will put you on with the good Dr. Hanan. Very, very exciting. Um, so quickly, Leanne's got a couple of things she wants to get on the scoreboard this morning since we're doing beyond the scoreboard. Well, here's something she wants to talk about. A man pretending to be Queen Elizabeth's footman is selling an antler walking stick that never belonged to her, and he's been sentenced. (laughs) You know, there are so many chances out there. Like, you've got to admire people's ingenuity. They're like, I was never the Queen's uh, footman or whatever. I never worked on her staff. I've got this walking stick. I could put this online and try to sell it for lots more than it's worth. I mean, you know, some people would fall for that. They'd be willing to part with a lot of money for this, but he was caught. Yeah, he was caught. He he even waited until just after she died because he realized he could obviously get more money. <laughs> for the, I, I had to look up an antler walking stick. I know what various yeah. walking sticks look like. Um, I think it has something to do with the shape of the handle, um, which yeah. represents deer antlers. Who knows where he got right. it from? He might have found it like someone left it in a park or something. Who knows? 
Right. A 26-year-old guy from Romsey in England, Drew Marshall. And 26 years old, and he claimed to be a senior footman at Windsor Castle. Um, and he, he listed this antler walking stick via an online auction just a week after she passed away. Um, and that was eBay that he used. And he's actually been caught out and sentenced. So what happened is the bids reached about four, £540. Um, and wow. then he, he quickly closed the listing after he found out via via that Thames Valley Police were investigating the scam. He also, on top of that, said that the money raised was going to go to Cancer Research UK, an actual organization. <laughs> <laughs> but he had no intention of giving them the money, no. right? He had no. absolutely no intention. So, so when when you let me let me let me just put this into perspective. So you said it's around five hundred pounds. That's ten thousand rand for a walking stick. Yeah, actually, that's insane. I was going to say it sounds a bit short, but damn. Yeah, it sounds a bit short. <laughs> I mean, the Queen's walking stick as a footman. Yeah. If I if I knew for a fact if the, if you had papers that could authenticate that it was actually the Queen's walking stick, even then would I pay ten thousand rand? I don't know. I mean, it would be for a collector. I suppose it would be a really cool thing to have. You could you could uh, I don't know hit other people on the head with it and say, "There we go. That's uh, this used to be this used to be the Queen's." Yeah. Or you could knight knight people with it. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> but. Um, I mean, also, what 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 was his story? Did did he that he was spinning? Was he going to say that it was gifted to him by the Queen, or that he just nicked it? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> anyway, he changed his story a million times throughout being questioned by police, and it changed from uh, it was just a social experiment to see how much attention my post would receive. Um, you know, some of them just said that it. Some of his excuses were like it was just a game. I didn't mean it. Yeah, of course, he's going to come up with all of this yeah. after the fact. But he, he was trying to sell. He was trying to pass off this walking stick as being the Queen's. He's just a bullshit artist. That's yeah. what he is. But you've got to admire, you got to admire the hustle, right? Well, yeah, well, good try. But yeah. I would be pissed if I, if I got like sentenced and only like got 540 pounds for it. I mean, I've seen bathwater go for more water than that. I have more <laughs> money than that. Yes, he has his yeah. sentence. He has a 12-month community order and also ordered to complete 40 hours of unpaid work. Oof. Hmm. Well. Not too bad. I, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I have any sympathy. <laughs> Listen, you take, a lot of people are taking chances, hey? I mean, <laughs> people will sell such crap. And if you think about it, who hasn't been scammed? It's not just LeBung who gets scammed all the time. <laughs> you've, I bet you've bought something online. And then when it arrives, you look at it and go, hmm, that's great. Shouldn't have spent that money. Yeah. There's a feud on TikTok at the moment between a woman who saw an ad um, about these vitamin-type drops or, or oils, these like serums, yeah. that if you used them either on your skin or you ingested them, you could mm -hmm. fix all your sight problems. You wouldn't need glasses anymore. So she decided to investigate this. And it's a, a woman in America who, once you sign up for this big course, um, she spends about 2.5 seconds talking about the visual effects. And the rest of it is just about selling the oils. And secondly, wow. you're not supposed to ingest any of these oils. It says clearly on the bottle. Turns out it's a 
pyramid scheme, this whole thing. And so this woman, uh, you know, called her out and sent letters directly to um, uh, customer services or consumer services. And they all said, no, we, we know about her and she's, you know, she's known to us and we are investigating. Oh, wow. And imagine being so raw. Imagine being so horrible that people know about you <laughs> when an incident arises. Oh, we know about her. She's a big problem. We, uh, yeah. we, <laughs> we're aware of her. She's a pain in the ass. Mapello says, I almost got scammed on Saturday. I was selling my phone so I could buy a laptop. The potential buyer uh, drove to pick up the phone and also sent me a POP proof of purchase. I refused to give the phone to the driver. He was, a, he was obviously a bullshit artist yeah. too, so I'm glad. Yeah, without seeing the money in my account. Yeah. After that, he blocked me. Oh, he was definitely a scammer. Don't give that's any, for sure. If if they're not coming in person, don't give it to drivers. Even these Uber pickup things. Hell no. Don't don't mm -mm. do it. Don't no. Do it. There's a lot of Some, crooks. They're crooks out there. They want your money and they want your stuff. We spoke last week about Gypsy Rose, and yes, she she's had to come out um, and give her. A little statement on on TikTok to say that she'd re-resecured her account after it had been hacked, but also that so many fake accounts have been set up, <clears throat> which look very realistic, and they are all yeah. these GoFundMe details saying that she's asking for money, and she's come on and she's had to say, "I don't want anybody's money. I don't need anybody's money. Huh. Uh, these are these are fake accounts." Yeah, yeah. but well, also interesting. Yeah. There are more revelations about her. I mean, I didn't know who this was until yeah. you told me last week, but now I, I suddenly I'm getting information <laughs> about her. So apparently, I know. So she um, also was forced to admit that the, the guy who she talked into doing the murder for her, she bought the weapon, she did all the, the, like, um, the, the heavy lifting, and he's apparently got a very low IQ. So she obviously bullied him or paid him or bribed him or uh enticed well, him to do this a relationship, uh, i just just it? all sounds sounds very dodgy if you ask me well i mean you must remember that she has learned manipulation skills from a master manipulator being her mother her mother yes oh. um she right. she had to be manipulative in order to survive um yeah. she she still has to so you know, there are traits in her that she'll that have been kind of born and bred and she'll never get rid of them. But yes, she can be manipulative. So yeah, a lot of people are trying to back the trend of following her and saying how sweet she is and you know how amazing it is that she's free now. A lot of them saying, you know, if you conspire to commit a murderer murder, you are a murderer. She's denying that she's a murderer. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> there's lots of um entertaining stuff going on at the moment with her um and obviously okay well the, uh her big documentary has now been released we have uh, plenty more to talk about in a short while but first i want to welcome uh, zonia penzorn who is the head of marketing at shout it now we'll find out what shout it now is all about um but i think we must talk a little bit about teen pregnancies and hiv rates in south africa because I heard a horrific statistic at the end of last year, and I'm not going to quote that because I don't know whether it's true or not. Zanya probably has a much better idea of what is and isn't true. Um, but we do have a major problem in this country when it comes to teen pregnancy. You know, around New Year and Christmas, they always say how many Christmas babies were born and how many New Year's babies were born. And 
it's frightening how many of those babies are the babies of teen moms, young girls who should be at school, young girls who should be thinking about their future. Sometimes they have no idea of what's going on. Sometimes they have no say in what's going on. And I wonder if those statistics are going to upset you as much as they did me. It was one of the things I did hear over the holidays, even though I was avoiding news. But let's welcome Zonia. Hello, Zons. How are you? Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Good. Nice to see you. And nice. happy Monday. Um, listen, I, I started with the subject that I know you know a lot more, more about than the rest of us, but it's something which we should all as South Africans be aware of. And it's something we should do whatever we can to help I don't know, diminish. Uh, we have a massive problem with teen pregnancies in South Africa. I wonder how we're doing on that front. Then we'll get to HIV. Tell us about the actual statistics. Yeah, I, th I think um, I'm, I'm going to break it down into a daily number. So if you look throughout the year, how many pregnancies or how many live births comes from girls between the ages of 10 and 17, oh. that number per day, per day, is 291 babies are born from girls the age 10 to 17. Now, like you said, you know, some of these girls, one, when you're that young, your, your body can't even carry another human being. And then we need to also call it what it is. It's not necessarily teen pregnancy, it's statutory rape. But I think the most important question here is why? Why is this happening? And the thing is, you know, and you said we'll get to HIV later, but everything is interlinked. The, the yeah. teen pregnancy, HIV, GBV, um, I mean, there's on average 116 rapes reported every day. That's just from the ones reported. But then we need to look at our unemployment rate, and that's sitting at a 60.7% between uh, for the youth between 15 and 24. So now you start thinking about it and say, well, why is there such a high teen pregnancy rate? Why is there such a high GBV rate? Why do these young women feel like, sure. you know, they have no choice? And when you do not have access to an income for basic necessities, like sanitary wear for girls, mm. um, what is your only currency? And I know it's a big way to come in here, but, but that's kind of the, the reality of the situation. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, you've, you've got to, you deal with this stuff every day. So there's no need for you to kind of tread carefully around it. We also need to know what's actually going on. I see a comment here from Glynis who says, uh, thank you, Gareth, for talking about teen pregnancy and HIV. This is something we introduce at schools as part of their curriculum. Well, clearly, though, Glynis, it's not, the message is not getting through. Or as Zonia says, people's personal and financial circumstances are so absolutely awful that this is the only currency they have. And it doesn't matter how much you tell them it's bad. And you 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 explain the situation of what it can what it can mean for their futures. If that's all they can do to survive, then we've got a major problem on our hands. Yeah, and um, I think the thing is, it's great that it is in schools, um, but we need to speak more openly about it. So even if a young woman doesn't have a choice, right, from a financial mm. point of view, she she should have the choice to to ensure that she doesn't um, uh, contract HIV. So there's HIV prevention Absolutely. methods for, for called PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis. It takes seven days before 
um, you know, um, you have unprotected sex, which prevents you from getting HIV plus post-exposure. So, and this is also for people in economic, uh, in um, occupational situations or um, where where condom broke. But but for the, for can you imagine a young woman? Um, plus then there's you know emergency contraception and contraception and all of that stuff. But a young woman is scrutinized and judged and even mm -hmm. if i mean there is a multitude of free services at, at shout it now we we especially focus on the youth to provide this youthful um non-judgmental environment our staff are young recruited from the environments in, um, in which they serve we have these beautiful private custom built bu uh, mobile buses um but the service and the services are all for free, and there's a lot of services that are for free. But it's so stigmatized. Um, that's that it. That's it. That's incredible. Though. I just want to stop for a second because shout it now. Uh, are you guys an NGO um, that 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 does this to try and help these young women and 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 obviously the young men uh, as yeah. well. But but primarily these young women. You have trucks. What are the, you have these counselors? You have, you supply sanitary wear. Like what exactly do you do? So, so we we focus on HIV and gender-based violence prevention, um, especially uh, focused towards young women and less than women and young girls between the ages of, of 10, 15 to 24. And we are funded right. by PIPFAR from the CDC. Um, right. And we work with the local government, with the Department of Health, uh, with multiple partners to ensure that we, we can provide a holistic um or a holistic offering to the youth so um that's what we do at the moment but but currently what we've seen recently is the implementation of what we call economic strengthening and this is not only are we tasked to look after young people's health in terms of hiv prevention hiv treatment uh, contraception um gender-based violence we have social workers all but now we need to implement economic strengthening which is basically providing them with a platform where they can learn how to write a cv potentially get a job we having to try to get seed money for for her to i don't know start making bracelets or you know sure. which helps but it's not sustainable and we need the support of private sector one that's got such a phenomenal credible voice to destigmatize yes. um access to free health health services or preventative services. And then second of all, any private sector brand that's got youth, uh, whether it's boys or girls, in the in their consumer set needs to get on board with that and look yeah. at what is the price of your brand because it could potentially come with the risk of HIV or unwanted pregnancy or gender-based violence. I, I, I do have to admire that the, um, the work that you guys do, even though there's mission creep, I mean, you start off, Trying to you know help people with health issues and 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 young girls, teen pregnancy, HIV, concept, uh, you know, uh, all all the things that you were speaking speaking about now, but also to then have to get involved in creating opportunities and helping these people to find uh, a place in the economy. That's mm. that's this shows you how big this task is for the whole of South Africa. So obviously you're up, you're calling for. Uh, corporates to help you because this is expensive stuff that you're doing and you've got to reach as many people as possible but it also is a pretty poor reflection on us as a country that we're leaving this many people behind i, I think the thing is and we don't need to overcomplicate. the first thing is we really need to destigmatize the conversation about 
around sexual and reproductive health so that young people have free access. Um, we need to start speaking openly about uh, with our boys to raise them to be the men that's, you know, that, that we expect them to be. And then okay. second of all, yes, we, we need a commitment from the private sector because if you've got the youth in, in your consumer segment, right, and you're thinking, oh, the youth segment is growing, but sitting with a 60.7% unemployment rate, think about what that's going to mean in five years' time. Because yeah. at the moment, where are these young people finding the money? Yeah. Spend them, and I'm talking about necessity. So data, cell phone, not to be fancy, but to have access to information, right? Sanitary, right. if you can stay in school. Transport. You know, these are basic necessities. Then couple that with these amazing lifestyles that that we present project in the in the ads you know um where's the money coming from you know for those products so i think we need to just wow that's uh that's quite scary okay so uh, leanne i'm sure you've got some questions you've also um you you monitor social media you know that these things are going on and that people are in desperate need in this country you have any questions for zonia the work they do at shout it now I, I think firstly, just to be expressive of how shocking it is that these girls are as young as 10 years old. I mean, Oof. you think you're you're in grade one when you're six. Sure. It's just a oh, few God. years later. Um, and the statistic has certainly changed a lot since when I was their age. Uh, but it also makes me remember back to that time, you know, when we were trying to educate ourselves at that age, on things like reproductive health and um, you know what to do when you get your period and things like that. We, we actually only really spoke to our friends about it. We didn't often speak to our moms about it. I know things have changed now, but culturally and historically, and especially when you're looking at a more traditional setting um, and the stigmas associated around everything, these girls are probably just talking to each other. And it must be such a difficult, not market but um area a, a genre of people to get through to um mm -hmm. and say you know we're here to help you firstly this is free because mm -hmm. I, I would have immediately thought if i was in a sticky situation at that age that something would be way too expensive and out of my league so what mm -hmm. do i do i speak to my friends about what to do which is just mm -hmm. bad advice so it must be such a difficult thing to try and get into these places um and yeah. spread your message and and you know yes i'm 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 in the marketing department and it's uh, we have in in public health we have a history of speaking at young people you know mm. and saying randomize and abstain um where that isn't the reality and we've been working really really hard to to drive conversation to provide content that is uh, not not dictating to the young person but rather engaging with the young person and that's why i have this invitation for big brands or small brands or brands of any you know anything that would be appealing to the youth to help us in the conversation because it's going to take me much longer to get that message out there and to try to destigmatize firstly at least let people know what services are available where they can find the services and actually as a collective and as as a society then reinforce that services to the youth 
youth needs to be destigmatized because as soon as a big brand starts speaking that free access and it needs to be youth friendly and it should be for everyone, you know, within the age brackets, then, then you know, society would put pressure to ensure that these services are conducted in a way that is that is conducive to the youth and where they feel welcome for that. So in terms right. of the conversation, yeah. Uh, where can people find out more and if they want to get involved, if they're a, a, a corporate that wants to put some money into this very good initiative, maybe they can help. But also if they're just someone listening now who thinks someone they know needs to get in contact with you uh, for any of those reasons, uh, contraception, um, teen pregnancy, HIV, gender-based violence, you guys provide these incredible services. Maybe there's someone who really needs them right now. How can they get hold of you? So you can just email us at info at shoutednow.org so info at shoutednow.org you can find me personally on linkedin and my name just popped up i know it's a difficult one but however however you can try to find us even if you just google shouted now you will be able to get hold of us but let's just please start the conversation beautiful well done on this work it's awesome making a big difference okay. thank you for joining Thanks, us good stuff very good. Bye. That is Zonya Penshoren, and we're talking about Shout It Now and the work that they do. Such necessary work for so many young women in this country, and not only the young women, the young men too. You heard her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trying to help people get, help people get employed. We're trying to help people make better life decisions. It's a very, very difficult business. This. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Monday morning, CliffCentral.com. So much to talk about. And uh, you can join us in the comments section. Like and subscribe. I have to keep reminding people, do that because we don't want you left behind and we don't want you not knowing what's going on. Got to make sure that you, uh, you're part of the inner circle.